Whether you're shopping for grads, getting an early gift for dad, or just looking for a little something new or used for your shelf, you'll find it at HPB. And you'll get almost everything for an extra 20% off during the big sale at Half Price Books this Memorial Day weekend. Saturday, May 25th through Monday, May 27th. Save big in-store at your local Half Price Books and at HPB.com. Offer cannot be combined with other coupons. Exclusions apply. To learn more, visit HPB.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Massive weekend in sport, Drew, with Olympic Marseille defeating Clermont <laughs> on Saturday, closing the gap on PSG. Uh, we'll talk about the Super Bowl, but wanted to start by thanking everyone who tuned into our NFL Honors Watch Along on Thursday night. We've had, uh, we had over 12,000 people tune in, which was great. Uh, sorry I couldn't get we couldn't get Carl Shanahan home for everyone, but outside of that, it was pretty good results with uh, a lot of the bets that we talked about during the year with Nick Bosa at eight to one, DPOY, uh, Gino twenty to one, comeback player Source uh, fourteen to one, D Roy, and then Mahomes at plus mm-hmm. money. So if uh, if you put an even amount of money on everything that we gave out, you would have come out in front. But Drew, the big one for me anyway was Kyle Shanahan, and uh, yeah. that was a gutting loss to lose that to Brian Dable. And that was bad, um, <laughs> as you would have seen if you watched the long live. But what was worth, Drew, is uh, the following day, uh, I flew home from Phoenix to Newark mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, s- sitting directly in front of me <laughs> on the flight home was uh, Brian Dable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bella was uh, reclining right into my space. I was going to add a further insult to injury. Uh, <laughs> but what's worst of all is that every, I think, basically every single person on the plane, or at least it felt like that, outside of me, asked Dave for a selfie. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm behind him, directly behind him, trying to recoil out of every selfie. As everyone's going up to him saying, Congratulations on the year, coach. Congratulations on winning coach of the year. Well deserved. <laughs> just mm-hmm. over and just over again. Rubbing it, it, rubbing it in. Just really, really grinding really, it in. Uh, oh, my God. But, um, <laughs> and you know what the worst part of all is? Is that uh, he seems like the loveliest bloke in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he for took sure. Time. He took the time <laughs> with every single person who came up to him. He was, you know, he was engaging with his kids and everything. He just seemed like a lovely dude, which somehow makes it worse. Also, he's the head coach of the New York Giants, uh, yeah. who's just been flown out to Phoenix for an award. I would have thought maybe they'd charter a plane for him or something. But uh, anyway, he was uh, on my United flight and uh, a man of the people, Brian Dale. So congratulations to you, Brian. Uh, no hard feelings on the pale salad that hit the ground. But um, yeah, anyway, let's talk about the Super Bowl, Drew. What would you make of it? 
Uh, a gigantic exhale sigh of relief <laughs> with the result. Um, I had a pretty big stake on the Chiefs to win at plus money. Um, all of the things that I felt like were X factors that could have made it just an easy, sweat-free night were completely wrong. Um, Jalen Hurts' shoulder, it looked good. Uh, his deep ball, it had touch. Uh, his, uh, his, 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 his intestinal fortitude in the moment of a giant game for the first time didn't seem to phase him at all. His first half was absolutely superlative outside of the one fumble. Um, and as we sit back, like you take that play out of this game, I don't know that we're talking about uh, this being a happy moment at all because you're probably looking at a 17-point deficit at halftime and things are all of a sudden a lot uh, lot trickier about exactly how you come back in that spot. Um, I think, you know, realistically, uh, you know, it's not lost on me that, uh, you know, when asked, um, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes had every single answer that they needed to get their offense going. Like their mismatch against the Philly D, particularly just from a conceptual level, uh, was pretty obvious from the first, you know, first series of the game all the way through to, uh, you know, the, the the consistent scoring that they put together in the second half. Um, I'm glad we saw it. We knew that that was a, an angle, and that if this got into a shootout, I was going to, I wasn't going to feel out of it until the whistle like had blown. Um, and uh, you know, with an eight point lead i felt a lot more confident than i should have because uh, again hurts <laughs> what are the eagles gonna do if they go down in this game and it's the last four minutes what are they uh, uh, we're just gonna score a touchdown and then we're gonna have a, a you know an absolutely uh uh you know spirit lifting two-point conversion so um i was nervous then uh that the you know the chiefs were gonna either score too quickly uh and or just settle for a field goal and you know give the ball back to the eagles who had a chance to kind of put put one on the board, you know, put six on the board and win the game. Um, but, uh, you know, deep sigh of relief here. I still think the market was not correct when we were talking about it for the majority of our run-up. We were talking for a lot of the, you know, a lot of this time we spent, uh, you know, the two weeks prior, um, Philly in the minus two and a half, minus uh, one and a half range. Um, and, you know, it closes a pick, basically, um, even odds at some of the market making spots. Um, and, uh, you know, I think realistically that's, that sh- probably was fair. Maybe it should have been shaded a little bit towards Casey because of Mahomes, but, um, ultimately, uh, you know, I think our, I think the general idea of what's a fair price, we were on the right side there. Um, and the ball bounced in the direction of the chiefs. Yeah. I think when you look at stuff like, um, like Kevin Cole, um, who, who has, uh, Substack, I think, which is really good. He does stuff like expected scores based on you know EPA. Yeah, and uh, he had the Chiefs winning um, in terms of like expected score, winning by five points. And I think a lot of that is that uh, like the yes, we got the fumble six touchdown just randomly out of nowhere. But that was that was on a third and five. And if Hurts just takes yeah. the sack there, he's punting back to yeah. KC. And then the big thing was is that. The Eagles went 13 out of 20 on third and fourth down. And a lot of those failed third down conversions didn't matter because they just, well, a couple of them because they just got the fourth down conversion straight after. Yeah. Uh, it, I think when you look back on the game, I do think the Chiefs played slightly better. I think that the Eagles, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about around experience and, uh, and playing from behind, I think that did rear its head a little bit in the fourth quarter where Sirianni, who had been throwing a perfect game with decision-making in terms of aggressiveness, he makes the 
man, it's, oh, it's a blunder. I guess so glad you brought that up. Himself and cost themselves two points of, of win probability, uh, two percentage points by punting on fourth and three from, I think, their own 32-yard line, I want to say, instead of going for it for all the mass that they should go for it. And then, I mean, just defensively, they had just no answer for Mahomes all game, no answer for the Chiefs' running game either, which was hugely efficient. Uh, and sending the blitz uh, on the Sky Moore touchdown, <laughs> I think that was a great call in retrospect. And then uh, also I thought, and this is like no one's going to think about it because they ended up scoring, but I thought on the when the, the Eagles equalized to make it 35-all, that drive, the Eagles were taking so much time off the clock. Yeah. On every single play, they were taking it down to one. And it's like, guys, you got, there's a good chance you're going to have to score twice. Yeah. Uh, and it just felt like they kind of lost their way a bit and then they get bailed out because LeJarrius Sneed blows the assignment on Devontae Smith. But yeah. I don't know. There were a few things like that, which uh, I really didn't think the Eagles were going to score when it was 35-27. They were just running the ball so yeah. much. But... Uh, Ultimately, they do, and then uh, and then Mahomes comes down the field, which you know I think it's such a perfect summation of the legend of Patrick Mahomes with the key play, the holding <laughs> call, which we'll talk about. But to go on that scramble it was like a twenty-five yard scramble where he's out running Eagles pass rushes, just looks exactly like the Patrick Mahomes who was doing those scrambles for fun against the Titans in prime time and just winning the game that way. But uh, did you think that was a holding call? Do you agree with James Bradbury? Or do you think that, uh, uh, that's man, that's one that happens in the middle of a game in the middle of a season and you shrug, you're like, all right, I guess so. <laughs> like, okay, fine. Um, there were more egregious penalties in the game that they didn't call, <laughs> which was kind of weird. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, we're going to let them be physical uh, at the cornerback position. I felt like all game. And then to then decide all of a sudden on that play that, that you were going to call it by the book uh, to the letter of the law was a little weird. Um you know, as a Chiefs backer, I was like, literally, oh my gosh, this this just sealed the game. Like, the game is now over. Holy smokes, I can't believe they called that. Um, and because, you know, like I said, I was sweating that they were going to settle for a field goal with way too much time left, which it looked like they were. It looked like it did feel that uh, if Mahomes, if they were going to kick a field goal in that spot um, with, with a minute 50 left, it really did feel like the Eagles were going to come down and win the game. But uh, yeah, let's just take a quick look at the all the closing lines, how everything ultimately settled. A lot of movement from the openers, uh, obviously open KC minus two and a half and then flips through zero to KC plus one and a half. Um, I will still never really understand why America and and it wasn't just points bet, it was well reported across the board that the Eagles were the popular bet, which I just didn't understand. Like, whatever you think about the game, I would have thought that people were just going to back Mahomes, but uh, they didn't. And then the total moves four points uh, from open and then sails over regardless. And really from the opening drive, it was never never really in doubt. A um, couple of random things um, that I'll remember from this game, as a Chiefs backer, and I think you only really remember this stuff when either it's your team or you bet on the team. But stuff like Mahomes, when they're killing clock uh, and McKinnon slides at the one, which he absolutely should have yeah. done. Uh, Mahomes gives up about five yards trying to kill clock uh, at the end. Or it's like, do we really want to give up all the five yards, Patrick, for an extra kind of three, four seconds? Like Harrison Bucker missed the 42-yarder, barely snuck in a, a PAT. I, I'd rather kind of stay a little closer. Um, and then also... 
think the NFL large needs to figure out these last second plays because between uh, what Dallas did against San Francisco and then the Hertz final play. Um, anyway, I think that's that's very in the weeds, but I think that's the kind of stuff you remember um, yeah. when you got the heavy position on one team. The stuff I'll remember is kind of, I love those calls. Uh, a couple that'll stick out for me are number one, um, the uh, the the lack of aggressiveness of Sirianni when it mattered the most was kind of surprising. Uh, you mentioned it, the decision to punt on fourth and three. Now, it looked even worse in hindsight because that was the one where they busted the big uh, punt return yes. and basically set up the, you know, set up the go-ahead touchdown, right? Um, but uh, even more than that, um, earlier in the second half, they take the delay of game penalty and yep. then settle for the field goal on fourth and six which was a little – that was the first sign of, uh-oh, um, he's fine making a one-score game, a one-score game against Pat Mahomes. I uh, don't know that that's going to work out in the long run. It was 24-21 at the time. Uh, again, we're talking that you know they, they take the delay of game penalty on third down. I mean, they, they, they use a timeout instead of just taking the penalty uh, and then turn around, do not convert, and then uh, kick the field goal instead of going for and fourth when they're you know well inside the 20. So that was surprising to me. Uh, and ultimately, like – because to that point in the game, it felt like, you know, this is what the Niners Chiefs Super Bowl would have looked like if you had a more aggressive Shanahan, right? Like that was kind of the way it felt that it was playing. Um, and then he kind of lost his nerve a little bit with sticking to sort of the plus EV ways. So, um, you know, otherwise credit to him for outs outstanding game plan. Um, I think the Eagles broadly were, uh, you know, you know, I, I thought they were really, really well prepared. Uh, their scripted offense in that first drive was like, oh, God, good God, this is good stuff. Like, this is the good stuff. They are going to shred if this is the way that they play. Um, the slippery field neutralizing the pass rush for both teams was interesting. Um, I'm going to remember that for sure. Uh, the, uh, the Kenneth Gainwell everybody's celebrating Kenneth Gainwell first touchdown and then, Oh, actually it's, it's not a touchdown. And then Jalen hurts getting his, uh, you know, his touchdown, uh, and the, you know, for the first score was pretty funny. Um, the, uh, some of the random wild outlier props all hit like the doink, uh, on the attempted field goal <laughs> hit a defensive score hit. Um, you know, there was, a, there were a lot of, uh, sort of outlandish wild, weird props that were, uh, were cash that were fun. And, um, yeah. And I'm going to remember the halftime show where, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed both the first and last song. thought they made some great decisions there with what they picked. Uh, and, uh, overall just very cool to see, uh, Rihanna, you know, perform with, uh, you know, expecting, and that, that was a, that was a cool halftime show. So, uh, that, those are my, uh, my major takeaways and my memories there. Nice. Let's, uh, quickly take a look at some of the most bet props in the game. Um, and a lot of them, a lot of them cashed and that's what happened <laughs> when a uh, Super Bowl, uh, puts up 73 points. Kelsey, anytime touchdown score, he scores the first Chiefs touchdown. Jalen Hurts, anytime, which, yeah, in retrospect feels crazy that it was minus 115 given he scored three times. AJ Brown gets in as well. Not as good news for Miles Sanders, uh, who did nothing uh, in the game. <laughs> my, uh, I think my main takeaway is one uh, will be just the feeling in the first half that the Eagles are kind of playing a different sport. Uh, and I think often you feel that about like Mahomes, but just the Eagles, the combination of the offensive line, Hertz's rushing threat, and then Sirianni's aggressiveness. It's like, well, mm -hmm. why doesn't, and it's, it's not as simple as why doesn't every team just go for 
why doesn't every team treat third down and three as second down and three and just going for it, you know, using yeah. that play to get you closer? Uh, it really did feel that they were just they were just unkillable because they had this extra thing where they're just going to go for it every single time. Uh, and it's not easily replicated, but just Sirianni ultimately, even with the costly decision at the end, he still added 9% in win probability just with his decisions um, to go Amazing. for it down yeah. so i remember that and Sirianni just feel like feeling like he's not going to make a bad decision and then ultimately he does and then also just hurts where i mean it's not going to get lost in the wash because it's a super bowl and he played so well but hurts really kind of missing any doubts like there's no going to be no question about whether jalen hurts is a big game player but i think ultimately the legacy of the game uh will be just the inevitability of patrick mahomes and mm -hmm. uh and seeing him limp off the field uh, on the last drive of the first half and immediately the line shot uh, <laughs> Eagles minus five to Eagles minus nine and a half just based on the vision of him limping off. And then at that point, it just felt like the game was done because yeah. the Eagles, they go down, they go up 10, they're minus 425 on the money line at halftime. And everyone who I'm sure you're the same in all these text threads, all these other people who are on the Chiefs being like, it's over, it's over. It's like, well... Let's see what Mahomes looks like on the first drive because they're getting the ball back after halftime. If he looks like if he looks like eighty percent and they score, then it's game on and we've got a Super Bowl. And he obviously marches down uh, the field. And then uh, yeah, the second half for the Chiefs, three touchdowns and the game winning field goal. <laughs> and, uh, and Mahomes was uh, was just pristine. So yeah. I think that that'll be uh, the main memory for me. Okay, so, you brought up some fun things. So you're you, you know so you're saying that um, the uh, the 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 strength and health uh, group for the Chiefs deserved more consideration for MVP. Uh, whatever, <laughs> however, they rehabilitated him at halftime. I uh, got him back out there. Uh, that they deserve some consideration. That's that's fair. Uh, yeah. I, I when Nick Bolton scored his second touchdown that ultimately got wiped out. Uh, that was a fun moment where you're like, oh, could he? Two defensive touchdowns all of a sudden. Could he steal MVP here if the Chiefs win? That would have been wild. Um, and then, uh, yeah, lastly, um, uh, we always kind of talk about MVP in respect to like, well, yeah, he'll get it if his team wins. And even if they lose, he still has a chance. I thought Hurts outplayed Mahomes. That was my general read watching the game. I thought in general, he made the more impressive throws. I thought in general, his execution in the red zone, more of it was on him as opposed to just like brilliant play design that like, like the Mahomes touchdown passes to, uh, to Sky Moore. And um, I can't remember the other one that was just like Good wide Tony. open to areas. Tony. Yeah. Tony and more like that was just brilliantly schemed. Like you don't really need the best quarterback in the NFL to make that pass. Do you? Um, whereas when it was inside the red zone, so much of it was like hurts. Like you go get this, uh, you know, like this is on you. No one else is really helping you. Your prime running back is, you know, injured on the first play. He's not going to help you. So uh, I thought uh, in general, Hertz was the more impressive of the two quarterbacks. And um, if that kind of effort, you know, breaking, rushing, breaking, rushing touchdown records as a quarterback in the Super Bowl, if that doesn't get you much consideration for MVP, then, uh, you know, I don't know that a losing quarterback ever really has a chance. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the market definitely agreed with you live to an extent in the towards the end of the game. Hertz's MVP price live was actually shorter than the Eagles' money line, where there was some thought that maybe this could happen. I think that like, Mahomes was he's twenty one for twenty seven, one hundred and eighty two yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and to me, the 
he had a 96 QBR, 132 <laughs> pass rating. He had for 44 yards on the ground, including that 26 yarder to, to effectively win the game. And to me, what will maybe not be remembered as much, but feels super significant right now, is zero sacks. And that's yeah. the thing against that pass rush. I know the field hurt. I know the O line played really well, but to take no sacks with that ankle and make make plays under pressure as well, some some crazy passes. One to Travis Kelsey in particular yeah. stands out. I thought that Mahomes. I thought he was magnificent, and I would agree that Hurts probably outplayed him if you take out the fumble six. He yeah, literally okay. expanded okay. six points um, to the Chiefs, which. You know, it's a fluke play, and it's not going to be what he's remembered for in this one. But I thought Mahomes, um, I, th- I thought he basically played into a draw and uh, okay. yeah, to make the, the play at the end. So, okay. anyway. maybe I might be a little slanted because the Eagles' offense had 20 more plays. <laughs> like, they've just, like, there was a t- the disparity in time of possession and overall, like, opportunities was like, I, it was wild to watch. And if, I guess the fact is, if you hold the Chiefs to that, little time of possession in those few plays, you can't be conceding 38 points. Yeah. Yeah. And look, um, as Dan <laughs> points out in the comments, the Eagles pressured Mahomes on 35.5% of his dropbacks, higher than their season average and zero sacks, um, which I think just speaks to his ridiculous pocket awareness yeah. and uh, and the greatness overall of... Uh, Jay, would you say uh, that sacks are a quarterback stat? I say they might be. <laughs> they just might be. Amazing. We let's, learn something uh, new every day. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about the NBC Sports Predictor app and then look at uh, futures for next year, uh, which are all out. So just a reminder, if you don't have that NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in the Premier League, where my gunners, uh, Cesc Fabregas, watching on behind me, are starting to let it slip, and college basketball... Your entire life, you've been told to save. But has anyone helped you figure out how to spend? With Fidelity Income Planning, get help creating a personalized plan for cash flow, even when you're not working. One that includes your 401k and all your other accounts. Make informed decisions that best fit your life ahead, whether one-on-one or through our planning tools. Learn more at fidelity.com slash income planning. Advisory services provided by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC for a fee. Brokerage services by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move.
New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. It's a day after the Super Bowl, so what better time to talk about the Super Bowl uh, and the futures markets, uh, which some some surprises to me in this. Anyone leap out to you, Drew, as value um, for the NFC uh, or for the AFC or for the Super Bowl? So it's going to be tough. It always is. It's tough to divorce yourself from what you just saw when you have two teams play that well offensively. And then you think about, well, next year, it's like every year after the Super Bowl is over, I feel like in the afterglow, you're like, well, yeah, it's, they're just, these two teams are just going to run it back. Like this is, that's, that's probably how this goes. Um, well, the main takeaways were these two teams largely got here because they got themselves buys. Um, for the Eagles, that was afforded by a relatively solid schedule. Uh, for the Chiefs, it was uh, a matter of like their prime, um, you know, their prime competition in division. The quarterback got hurt for a huge chunk of the season, um, and those things aren't guarantees to happen again. So it's you know it's going to be tough for both of these teams, I think, to um, to get the one seed just based on um, you know what they have in terms of. Um, you know, more difficult schedule and uh, and just in general, like the AFC being so competitive. For the NFC, if you were to tell me that the Eagles are going to run the NFC for the next four years, I'm not going to put up a big fight about that because they seem to have the quarterback position uh, figured out. And the rest of the roster building uh, from, you know, Howie Roseman and uh, what he has, you know, what he's found in Sirianni, like it all is perfect you know, perfect fluid motion. Like everybody is in lockstep here. Uh, and this is a well, well run organization. So the idea that the Eagles will be back in the next three years, I think that's pretty high confidence play. Um, I don't know that it'll be next year um, because the Eagles have two, two things that I think affect them negatively besides schedule being tougher next year. The first is um, they're losing Shane Steichen. The second is I think they're going to stick with Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know what Jonathan Gannon was exactly trying um, against the Chiefs, but whatever it did, it didn't work in a variety of different ways. It felt like in the first half, they were like, well, let's try, let, let's let Kelsey beat us in, in single coverage. Uh, and that didn't work out at all. And then, uh, yeah, it didn't get a single stop uh, in the second half. 
I think I agree. I think I don't understand why the Niners are favoured for the NFC over the Eagles. I think that that, that is wrong um, when you consider that uh, the Niners quarterback is either going to be Brock Purdy coming off a of UCL, uh, who was great, but was also still the last pick in the draft, uh, which you still have to regress through a tiny little bit over the, the six or seven games that he played. And then Trey Lance, who is still a great unknown. <laughs> I like it as high variance a piece as Trey Lance, who has a fair bit of downside, can be favoured over this Eagles team. Uh, I think the Eagles should be should be favourites in, in the NFC. I think there's only to me there's only one Super Bowl bet to make at the moment. And uh, it's tough to even say out loud, but I think, bet, I think the bet is the Cleveland Browns at Or quarterback in the NFL last time he had a uh, when we last saw him in Houston. I think there's so much upside in that team still. I think as well that they underperformed a ton based on kind of the expected metrics and that defense should be better. I think Stefanski is a really good coach. Uh, I still think they have a top three offensive line in football. Um, they can make some additions to, I just think, 45 to 1. Like, how are they, how are they less likely to win the Super Bowl than teams like the Raiders even – like if Aaron Rodgers is there, like that team has so many weaknesses on defense. Why are they less likely than, I think they have more upside than, than teams like the Rams um, who, yeah, not in a great spot at the moment in terms of how they can upgrade their own team. So mm-hmm. I think Cleveland 45 to one, which is uh, a bet that that's not fun to make. Um, <laughs> but when you look at non quarterback, that team is absolutely stacked and that quarterback has upside to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, um, which we've seen. So you're, you're out on the Browns. Look, if we see something in the first quarter, first half of the season that is market, markedly better fit between Watson's skill set and Stefanski's offensive vision, then I will change my tune quickly on them because you are right. If you get top four quarterback play with the rest of the talent on that team uh, and uh, you know, you, you should not be priced in the 45 to one range. No way. Like you're alive. Uh, the problem is I think everything that Watson does that's good doesn't exactly fit perfectly with the width, like sort of the rest of the ethos of the Browns. And I think in general, you don't have a ton of um, chemistry between what he brings to the team and the existing leadership in that, uh, in that locker room. And so I, you know, if winning cures a lot, if they're coming out of the gate and they're playing well and they're winning, then I think, yeah, they come together. It's cohesive. They're going to have a nice little season that ahead of them and 45 to one is going to look amazing. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I am very buyer beware with the Browns. I thought you were going to go with the lions, the lions, the lions in the NFC at 12 to one would have been the only look I would make. Uh, and that's largely just because the, um, uh, the nucleus of wide receivers is so talented. <laughs> that is a really, really talented squad. Uh, offensive line, also solid. Uh, Jared Goff doesn't seem to be impacted much by um, you know the the situation he's found himself in. And then if they can add some you know some more pieces to the defensive side of the football, which I think would probably be their ex, you know your expectation of going into this offseason. Um, you know, pick up a guy like Bradbury. Bradbury's going to be a free agent. I don't think the Eagles can sign him. Bring a guy like that into the fold. Um, and I think you're, you're talking about uh, a, a true contender and, uh, you know, in a very winnable division. Um, and so, you know, I think if, if I had to call it now, you're probably going to get Eagles-Lions NFC t- title game, and it could be in Detroit. 
Uh, and then uh, on the uh, AFC side, uh, ridiculous not to expect Mahomes to be back in the AFC championship game. And uh, you can pick any one of like four, four or five teams that I think realistically have a shot to be there against him. Yeah. The issue with, with Cleveland, outside of all the issues in Cleveland, uh, is that, yeah, you've got to go through – uh, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen to get out of the AFC, uh, but I just think that I mean they've got the same they've got the same Super Bowl odds as the New York Giants. Like this, that's not right. Like the Cleveland has so much more upside to actually win the Super Bowl on the NFC side, which is much more wide open and yeah, less anchored by all those quarterbacks I just mentioned. Again, not the most inspiring bet, but the Vikings are twenty to one to win the NFC, and they bring in Brian Flores. There's a ton of talent on that offense. I think that they're actually—it's weird because they went thirteen and four, but I think that they underperformed. Um, not in terms of their record, which was fraudulent, but just in terms of what they put out in the field. There's a lot of talent on that team, and they shouldn't have been a—you know—an eight and nine, nine and eight team based on their point differential, whatever they ended up at. Uh, I think that that team still has. Uh, a fair bit fair bit of upside. Maybe there's not a ton of upside in Kirk Cousins, but I think of the rest of the team, and that defense should just be better with Flores, with making some additions. Uh, I think that it's a really well-run team as well, very analytical, which we always yeah. like. Uh, and I think that at 20-1 to 1 in, a, in a weak division uh, and a relatively weak conference compared to the AFC, I think mm-hmm. that's maybe a touch too big. Okay, so two quick thoughts. Um, I agree with your, your, your sentiment, like, Talk about a a franchise I absolutely, uh, you know, love the direction uh, that they're going. Flores, I thought, was a tremendously good hire. Not a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football there. And I think um, they're probably going to get bet against pretty heavily in the futures market. So, again, here, here we are, middle of February. Anything you're trying to get down today or even this month, you are literally just trying to stay one step ahead of once win totals open up, once draft capital, you know, once is once that once that is known, once free agency is matured, you know, you you're trying to capture equity on teams that are going to be hot in the early part of the market cycle. And the Vikings are not one of those teams. I think they're going to be bet against pretty aggressively because of the sort of the standardized wins close wins type of you know stuff uh pythag versus actual you know people are literally going to look at them like this team's going to fade uh they're going they're going they're going to come back to earth and on top of that they have a bunch of defensive holes so i think that the the key really is let the price on the uh on the vikings like fall 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 and then come get it on like september 1st (laughs) right uh whereas the lions i see in the other side of the coin like people are going to get more and more excited about the lions between today and the start of the regular season so you might as well grab it if you have any kind of inclination to ever bet the lions uh and on the afc side the team that's going to get talked up that's going to rise that's going to shorten in price that you want to capture equity on now i think it's the jacksonville jaguars i think the jaguars because the afc south is so weak you're going to have two rookie quarterbacks uh, maybe three rookie quarterbacks in that division against Trevor Lawrence, who now gets to add Calvin Ridley to the fold with the rest of those weapons. Uh, Doug Peterson, another year and you know second year and under the system with Doug Peterson, um, they're going to have to you know make some moves defensively, offensive line shuffling um, in order to make the salary cap work. But uh, I still think the Jaguars are probably going to you know kind of wind up in that. They're going to flip the Ravens almost certainly. 
in that price. They may flip the Chargers just based on how the fact that they're in a division that's so winnable and the Chargers have to go through, you know, KC. So um, I think the two teams that are likely to rise in the, uh, uh, in, in, you know, in terms of capturing win equity, it's going to, you know, it's going to be the Jags and the Lions, in my opinion. Yep. I like the look on the Jags in particular. I think the issue with the Lions is that as bad as Minnesota's defense was, Detroit's was even worse this season. But, <laughs> yeah, that's but true. Detroit <laughs> had youth. Detroit had youth on that yeah. defense in a way that Minnesota don't to the same extent. So there's upside true. down. I like the like the look on the Jags just because Trevor Lawrence is a generational prospect who's going into year three and he has, you know, the upside to be, you know, if he if he next year did what like Joe Burrow did this year, I don't think that mm-hmm. would absolutely shock anyone. He's got that upside. Yep. All right. Before we talk about the association, a reminder to download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, it's uh, basketball season now uh, with NFL behind us. Massive slate of games. I actually watched, uh, well, one of the two games yesterday. Boston-Memphis was a great uh, appetizer for the Super Bowl. Um, Jaron Jackson, defensive player of the year, front runner, fouls out in 20 minutes in a game they get lit up in as uh, he is did you see this? Did you see the stat shot? I mean, the stat, the stat, the, the score, the score, uh, the uh, box score. Yeah, zero blocks. Zero. Zero blocks. Because yeah. he was on the road. Just, just saying. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, massive slate of games tonight. I think some of the highlights Nuggets uh, at Heat, Heat one point favorites. Um, T Wolves at Mav, kind of an interesting one. So we see the new look uh, Mav. A play in extravaganza between the Lakers and the Trailblazers. <laughs> it's uh, the Nets and the Knicks, little uh, New York showdown about an hour from me. Uh, this Nets team is fun. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure how they're going to score or get any kind of creation of shots. But defensively, I think the rest of the way that they project to be a top two, top three defense in the yeah. league, it was absolutely stacked yeah. between Claxton and Bridges and DFS. And uh, and Dinwiddie's not amazing defensively, but he gives you size. Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons, who can't do anything on offense, but is still an excellent defensive player. Um, yep. They're a fun team. Uh, anything you like on the card tonight? Yeah, Brooklyn goes hard. Um, I like Brooklyn to win against the Knicks. That uh, is, I make that game almost a pick Slight favor to the Knicks, but at plus two and a half, uh, I would, I'm involved in the Brooklyn money line there. Uh, I went to war with our beleaguered Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, <laughs> I took the seven and a half points there. Uh, way the market is way too hot on this Dallas Mavericks team. Uh, yeah. Okay, they got a little shot in the arm because they made a move. Like, let's cool our jets here, guys. This is not uh, some sort of powerhouse in the Western Conference. Um, so seven and a half for me with the uh, Timberwolves. Uh, and then the last play on my card, I'm looking, I'm looking. I know I had three. Uh, oh, I laid it with, uh, oh yeah, Indiana. Sorry, uh, yeah. Indiana versus uh, the Utah Jazz. That one opened Indiana slight favorite move to a pick them. Some places the Jazz are favorite. I don't think that's the correct direction. I think the opener was fair, so uh, I'm the buyback there on the Pacers. Yep, that's my favorite bet tonight. Is the Pacers? I don't think the Pacers are as bad as they've shown in the past yeah. couple of weeks. I mean, they were playing really well before Halliburton went down. And this Jazz team, like this Jazz team, got rid of Mike Conley, Malik yeah. Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and added nothing outside mm-hmm. of. 
maybe Russell Westbrook if he doesn't get bought out, which he surely will. So this team has got no depth whatsoever. I think Laurie Markkinen as well is having to take much harder shots now that there's no creation and no Mike Conley around him. It's a big difference going from uh, Mike Conley as your point guard to uh, Colin Sexton for the most part. Uh, And that's why I think he's a little vulnerable now and most improved player. And uh, I think uh, our man Jalen Brunson, who's still 10 to 1 some spots, and uh, looks like by the end of the season might increase his points per game by eight, nine points in the New York market, which just gave Brian Dayball coach of the year. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Jalen Brunson is um, very like for that. Anyway, we go full circle um, from last sour grapes on Brian Dayball. <laughs> reminder to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. hope you had a good Sunday and good NFL season. Thanks for watching along. We'll see you next time. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC.